This morning, we're going, to be, we're going to be looking at a passage, probably not as familiar as the last two weeks, but we're going to be in Psalms uh, chapter 73. And uh, Psalms chapter 73 is actually written by a man by the name of Asaph. Asaph was a, literally a choir director uh, during the times of King David. There was three worship leaders, so to speak, during that time, and Asaph was, was one of these guys. And I, and I love this story um, for, for so many reasons, but, but Asaph has a moment with God. Asaph was struggling in his walk with God, and, and I know many times in our lives we don't like voicing that to people. We don't like voicing our, our struggles or our, or our discourses or whatever it might be, but, but Asaph was really, really struggling, just a, just a lot like Job was in the book of Job, where, where things weren't as what he thought they should be, and, and, and his walk with God was struggling. And many times in our lives, I know many things come into our lives and we don't either want them or they're very unexpected. A lot like this story I want to read for you this morning. It says, on January 17, 2004, um, a 66-ton whale died and was beached on the southwestern coast of Taiwan. It says, two weeks later on January 29th, authorities decided to truck the dead whale to a laboratory where they could do an autopsy. It took 50 laborers and three lifting cranes 13 hours to hoist the 56-foot behemoth onto a flatbed trailer truck. It says pedestrians and shop owners poured into the streets to watch the spectacle of a, of a well carcass driven through the streets of downtown Taiwan. And then it happened. As the truck crawled through the downtown region with crowds looking on, the well literally exploded. That's right, it blew up. The inner conditions of the dead mammal combined with the bumps in the road caused an eruption that the townspeople will soon forget. Cowers, people, and local shops were splattered with well trails. All right? Traffic was brought to a halt for hours, and the smell was almost unbearable. By the way, that is a very true story that did take place. And I bet you none of those people that morning thought they would wake up and they would have well guts splattered on them, all right? I'm, I'm just betting none of them had even envisioned that taking place. And isn't that like life? Sometimes you're thinking, no, Brandon, I've never had a well actually splattered on me before. But, but it, it, it's so much like life. You and I, we wake up every single day, we have a new opportunity. We, we have an opportunity to be made alive in Christ, we have an opportunity for our lives to, to mean something. And many times, even by lunchtime, things happen into our lives that we never asked for. And we walk away thinking, what just happened? Maybe it's a phone call that you get and you're like, man... Maybe it's a situation at work. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a child or, or whatever the situation is. Many times we feel like that we've got well guts all over us and we stink and we smell and we ask the question, God, why is this happening in my life? I didn't ask for this. I thought following you was going to be easy. I thought following you meant, meant prosperity. I thought following you meant blessings or whatever the situation is. But you and I, even as Christ followers, we find ourselves in a situation. And let's be honest, life stinks. Maybe not well, dead stuff stinks, but life stinks. And how do you and I, how do we deal with life as Christ followers when we feel like we've been dealt a raw deal? 
You see, Asaph is going to get real honest here in just a moment. He's going to get real honest about his feelings. He's going to get honest about his situation around him. And it affects him in such a way that he cries out to God. And as we will see here, God meets him right in the midst of that stinky situation in life. Before we dive in, I just want to pray over our time this morning. Would you just bow your heads? Father, we come before you. God, work in the midst of me this morning. Father, may you use your word, God, to penetrate our hearts. May you use your word to challenge us and convict us and to move us and to wake us, God, to your word, Father. So we just want to welcome you in this place, God. I I pray, Lord, that you will just do what only you can do uh, this morning in our lives, Father. We thank you for this time. Thank you for, uh, as many other churches even in town are gathering right now, God, that that your message, Father, will change lives, that it has the power to change lives. So we are waiting with expectations this morning, God, to hear from you. So God, we love you and we praise you. And all God's people said, amen. Psalms chapter 73. I want to give you just a quick breakdown of what's taking place here again. This is a man by the name of Asaph. And Asaph has, uh, he's having a bad day, all right? A well just blew up all over him, all right? And And he's somewhat in shock. He's somewhat irritated. He's somewhat envious of those who did not get that happen into their lives. Have you been there before? Get a little jealous that God, man, why are you working in their lives? And it seems like I'm taking one step forward and two steps back. And I can promise you there are those this morning who are feeling just that way. And I know there's been times in my life where where I feel this way. Where you feel like you just want to give up on the things of God. You, you feel like, God, I know that you are holy. I know that you are good. But my circumstances are not anything like I expected it to be. So how can you and I, how can we stand firm even when we feel like we have been giving a raw deal in life? So here we go. Are you ready this morning? Verse 1. We're going to start this off. Surely... God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. I love how he starts here because because Asaph is proclaiming really our hearts and our minds for most of us. We're saying, we know, we know, we know the knowledge of who God is. We have an understanding that, that God is good. We have the theology that we know who God is. We know that He's perfect. We know that He's holy. We know that Jesus went to the cross on our behalf. We know that Jesus has the power to change our lives. But the question is, and what many things happen is, is what happens when those circumstances come into our lives and they shake our theology of who God is? How do we respond in those moments? Because it's easy, let's be honest, it's easy to follow God when things are going well. It is. It's easy to stay connected to church. It's easy to stay connected to those people who want the best for you. But when life stinks, when situations come in and they feel like your life is crumbling and falling apart, when our theology of God has been shaken, what do we do in those moments? Because this week God has, he has preached to me. He has, he has spoken to me in such a way. And he's like, Brandon, you've been dealing with this. Because you're looking around of all the other things and all the other people. And let me tell you something that happens to everyone. It happens within the church. It happens to pastors. Because here's what happens many times, all right? When pastors get together, here's what we do. All right, the first question. Hey, uh, what are you running? 
And you're thinking like, what? No, what we do is this way, how many people you're running? So, so our measurement is, is man, I always like to start, well, I'm, you know, we're like five or six people. You know, we're, 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 we're killing it. We got five. But what we do is, is we measure ourselves with other people rather than saying, man, what is God doing? Man, how's God been working in your congregation? And what happens is, is I can fall into that temptation of, man, I, I wish I was doing as good as they were. I wish we had as many people as they did. I wish we were involved in that kind of outreach. So what happens is, is we get envy of the things of God. Rather than saying, God, thank you for working through them. God, thank you for, for, for changing lives. Thank you for the baptisms. Thank you for the salvations. As we get jealous of what God is doing somewhere else and in someone else's life. So we're all attuned to this. And God has rocked my world this, this week through Psalms chapter 73. But Asaph starts off, I love this dude, he says, you know what, surely God is good. Surely God is good to those who are pure in heart. Verse 2, but Asaph is in trouble. He says, but as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. So Asaph is proclaiming, God, I know that you are good, but now I just kind of want to be honest with you. It's one thing to proclaim that God is good. It's another thing to live our lives that way. And he says, God, I know that you are good, but i got to be honest, man, I am struggling. I mean, my theology has been shaken. I have lost my grip, and I'm at the point of walking away from what all that I know of you. And maybe this morning, this is the first time you've been to church in a long time because you have been through this up and down many times in your life. Verse 3. He says, For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He said, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. So now he's given us a little insight of his struggle that's going on here. And I, and I want you to notice four words in verse four, uh, 3 that he brings up. The first thing is arrogant, all right? I know there are no arrogant people in this room, all right? Let's just say that, okay? There's a, none of you are arrogant. You've never been arrogant, okay? And by the way, even Christians can be arrogant many times in our lives, all right? It refers to people who make sure people notice them and what they have done. It's, it's really all about them. It's self-promotion or whatever the situation is. So he brings up the word arrogant. The next word he uses is wicked, which emphasizes that the guilt of those who are actively choosing that which is offensive to God. And, and Asaph has his eyes on those who openly disdain God. And I don't, I don't know what brought this up, I don't know if it was a relationship gone bad or maybe this was a time where he was just watching those who were, who were actively not pursuing the things of God and, and, and God was pouring blessings on them or at least he thought that was taking place in their lives and nothing was wrong with them, everything's wrong with me. The third thing I want you to see here is the word prosperity. Now the word prosperity from the Hebrew word actually means shalom, which literally means peace with God, such that your life is fulfilled and complete. So here's what's taking place here. 
is Asaph, all right, he knows that God is good. He has struggles in his life, and the struggles are overwhelming him to the point of his doubt in God. Has anybody been there before? The circumstances of life, whether you wanted that well to blow up all over you or not, it's, it's reality. And what happens is, is, is that becomes our focus. And when our focus is not the things of God, we will find ourselves in a downward spiral. We, we will find ourselves in a situation where we feel hopelessness, where we feel no joy in our salvation, where we get disconnected from the things of God, we start becoming envious of those people who have tangible things to the point of having a misunderstanding of what it means to be prosperous in the kingdom of God and God blessing us in the kingdom of God. So what is happening here is is Asaph knows. Many of you this morning, it's like we know the things of God, but living it out is a completely different thing. Like Asaph knows that, that prosperity has nothing to do with because those people are, are, are living wealthy and, they, and they're getting to do all of these things and they're having these nice cars and, man, that's an awesome looking horse that you're riding down the road or, man, that's, you got some sheep. Man, you got, he understands this, but what he's struggling with is, is now he thinks because he has lost focus on the things of God, he has, been, he has become jealous of the things of the world that he knows will not satisfy him but he's dealing with it. And it's so easy for me and for you to have that same understanding. Just like the story of Peter when he walked on water, man, he was, he was experiencing God. Man, that, that was probably the, one of the best things of his life that he's ever happened. And then all of a sudden, listen to this, all of a sudden his circumstances that had always been there became his focus and he began to drown. You see, even as Christ followers, we can begin to drown in this life of, with sorrow and, and, and all of these emotions and start becoming envy of those around us, even those who don't know God, and say, God, I have been faithful to you. And it seems like everything is coming wrong in my life and everything is right. We get disillusioned to the truth of the gospel message. The fourth word he uses is envy. For I envied them. Now, now envy means I want what you have. God knew that envy was going to be something that we struggled with. I mean, even the Ten Commandments, do not covet your neighbor's house, don't envy your neighbor's house, do not covet your neighbor's wife, his male or female slave, his ox or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. So one of the Ten Commandments is, is, is don't envy. Because envy will take you down a disillusioned road that will always lead to destruction. That will lead to a downward spiral. And let's be honest, our culture is all about being envy of those things. I mean, I can't watch the TV without thinking I need a Lexus, like now! I mean, I, I can afford $1,000 a month. No, I really can't, but hey, we'll, we'll finance this puppy out for 550 years, okay? You need it. Be envy. Look how, look, how, look how fun they're having. But here's the problem is, is we see the facade of what the world offers. We see that facade and what happens is, it is it's nothing more than going to Disneyland and you see that facade and behind it it's empty and it's dead and there's nothing there. And so we chase after that facade thinking I've got to have this. 
I've got to to have this in my life because that's what's going to bring joy. And then we dive into those things and we know it leaves us empty. Story after story after story after story of those people who have what we think is a blessing that we think has these things and they don't have Christ. And you can ask them, they're going to be honest, I am so empty. The suicide rate is huge. Why do you think people get addicted to drugs and all of these things? Because they are looking for something to fill their void in their life. And God says, and Asaph knows this. Here's the thing. Asaph knows that God is the only one. But I love this story is because he's being honest. He's a godly man who is struggling and his life is slipping down a slippery slope because he had lost focus. So now he breaks down what he's observing in verses 4 through 12. Let's read that together. I love that he's just being honest. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They're free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human illness. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous harps comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice, with arrogance. They threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? This is what the wicked are like. Always free of care, they go on amassing in wealth. Now, if I was to paraphrase what Asaph said here, this is what I would say. So this is how life really works. These godless people, they live on easy street. They don't face the hardships I face. They live longer. They play more and get away with everything. They wear a power-hungry, cutthroat, cynical attitude like a coat. They are self-promoting, anti-God and worldly, and they are the ones that are getting a slice of the pie and not me. I want you to be honest with yourself right now. Have you ever felt that way? You ask the question like, what's even the purpose of going to church on Sunday? Why? It's my only day I get off. Why get involved in a small group Bible study? Everybody's going to talk about their problems. I mean, this is how we think sometimes. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that girl. And and we wrestle with the understanding, first of all, of who God is, and second of all, how God intricately plays a huge part in our lives. And so Asaph, and he's just being honest. Verse 13, to the point he says, Surely in vain... In vain I have kept my heart pure, and I've washed my hands in innocence. From time to time in my life, I will uh, throw a pity party. Uh, Maybe you don't do that. Um, I do sometimes. Um, Probably even more than I should. Um, And this is the reason God really just challenges, spoke to me this week. Something I've just been struggling and dealing with is um, I 
And many times we don't want to be honest about this. There are times in my life where I feel like, I'm just going to be honest, sometimes I feel like, what, what am I doing? God, why, why, why be faithful? God, why, why keep doing this? If there's no joy in this, maybe you've been there before. God always teaches me a lesson. That sometimes we emotion, I'm an emotional driven person like many of us are, and if it's not, if it's not on cloud nine, things aren't rolling, man, we, we want to bail from those situations rather than being faithful to the things of God. Because sometimes I make choices and I make situations and I even make uh, things in my life more important than they really should be, but I allow circumstances to come in and I, and I start wavering from the things of God in my life and I start thinking that, man, I'm, I'm missing out. Like, why be a pastor? Like, I'm missing out on, on these things or, or those things. Or I want to go to another church and all of these things that, that seems to bombard our lives many time. And it's always, God, I was using usually my, usually my wife to kind of speak truth into my life. I hate when she's right. Um, but God will use either His Word or someone to say no. Maybe you have someone in your life that, that, that loves you so much that is able to speak into your life because what happens is when I get in those moments, when I get in those situations, I want to get around people who are yes men. You know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. You need to make that decision. That sounds fantastic. And all along, they, don't have, they have no desire for you to honor God in their lives. It's those people who will stand in the gap for you and say no. You need to pray about this more because I, I'm, I'm not feeling this is the right decision for you or I'm not feeling this is the right move or, or whatever the situation is. We need those people in our lives who love us enough to say no and to say, you know what, that is, that, the road that you are taking, it's going to lead to destruction. The choices that you are making is not going to allow you to find joy in your lives. So just for a moment here, I want us to look at four things just real quickly. Um, some godly guide, guidance that Asaph went through that when we find ourselves in a situation where we're struggling, when we're finding ourselves where we're wanting to blame God and wanting to bail on God, wanting to bail on the church, I want, the first thing I want you to write down is to pour your heart out to God. You see, usually we do that last. Usually we go to our best friend who is going to be like, yeah, you're right. Get that fuel started a little bit. Maybe it's the co-workers in the break room. You know what I'm talking about, ladies. Maybe, maybe it's a situational thing. I don't know what it looks like exactly there, but I love this because ASAP, he takes his problems, he has a brutally honest confessional with God himself. And did you know God's Word tells us that He wants us to, in Psalms 55, 22, it says, Cast your cares on the Lord, He will sustain you. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast your cares because He cares for you. i got to be honest, sometimes when people bring their cares and their struggles, they're like, you can tell somebody else, I don't really care. You've been there before? Like, I don't, talk to the hand because the face ain't listening, all right? Or whatever the situation is, okay? But God says, I want you to bring those things to me. Because I know if you bottle those things up in your lives, if you bottle anger, if you bottle all of these situations and your pain and your questions, what happens is it will unload itself. And what happens is, is you will unload yourself on somebody 
who never deserved it. And it's going to be a friendship. It's going to be a wife. It's going to be a spouse. It's going to be a child because we bottle these things up and we blow up on people. Anybody been there before? And God says, no, I want, to, I want to take this fuse and I want to take it out of your life so that you can see clearly the ways and the things that I desire for your life. May we pour our hearts out to God. The second thing, may we weigh our choices carefully. In verse 12, Asaph is, is having a conversation with God here. He says, This is what the wicked are like, always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and washed my hands in innocence. He is all day long, I have been afflicted, and every morning brings new punishments. And then verse 15 says, If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your Children. Do any of y'all know what a filter is? You know what that is? It kind of like filters things. Um, uh, do y'all ever use filters in your lives as it pertains to your typing on Facebook or Twitter? Maybe you're a tweeter. I'm not, I don't know what that is exactly. Um, maybe you're one who likes to talk before you think, so to speak. You see, what Asaph is saying here is, is sometimes... We get ourselves in a world of hurt because we speak before we actually think. He says, I would have betrayed your children. He goes, I would have been an instrument that Satan used to be a detriment to God's people. And I know we never want to live our lives and be like, man, I just, I, I, I want to be that kind of person. We don't want to be that kind of person. But many times we allow because we explode on things. We don't take it to God. We take it to friends or whatever the situation is. And all of a sudden, our words, our actions, our talk is being a detriment to those around us. Now, I know none of you ever do that, all right? I know none of you ever like to rant and rave, you know, and then all of a sudden you're like in a fight or whatever it is. You're like, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have done that or whatever the situation is. But he says, I love what 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5 says. It says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against us, the knowledge of God. And listen to this. And we take captive. And that means we filter every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And so what Asaph is saying here. All right. He came before God. And he says, I need to filter the thoughts that are going on in my head. Does anybody ever have crazy thoughts? Nobody? Like, I have some crazy thoughts sometimes. Sometimes I'm like, whoa, where did that come from? Here's the thing. The sin is not in the thought. The, th- the sin is in the action of the thought. Those thoughts will continually come as, as God's Word says. that They're like a fiery darts that Satan keeps shooting into our minds. But it's the moment that we don't allow God to hold that thought captive in our lives and we start acting on, we start typing it out, we start verbally doing those things in our lives that it becomes detrimental to those around us. So Asaph, if I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your 
children. May we pour our hearts out to God. May we weigh our choices carefully. And the third thing is, may we see the big picture. Verse 16. It says, when I tried to understand all of this, like Asaph is trying to wrap his head around this situation. He's trying to figure it out. Why, why, why? He says, it troubled me deeply. And then don't miss this. Verse 17, do not miss this. It says, till I entered the sanctuary of God. He says, I I can't figure this out. I don't know why this is taking place. And my mind is running wild and my emotions are flaring and I'm getting angry, I'm getting defensive, I'm getting prideful, I'm getting envious of those people, all right, that God should be smiting because of the things they do, but now I'm the one with all the the conflict and all of these things in my life. But it says, until, listen to this, until he went to church, is basically what it says here, until he comes into the presence of God, he doesn't understand what's going on. Just like that woman at the well who had continual struggles in her life until she had a face-to-face encounter with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, her life would have never been any different. But because of that, it completely changed her life. It completely changed her perspective on her current situation. So Asaph finds himself in the presence of God and there he was reminded of God's attributes, character, and power. You see, when we come into the presence of God, it allows us to view things differently. It really does. Those things that are so impedant right now, the here and now, aren't really that big of a deal as we step back and view as God views things, as we see things from from eternity because His temporal perspective was being faded out and washed out because of envy and all of these things that he allowed to come into his life and control him. And when he steps out, comes into the presence of God, God uses that to give him the bigger picture of what's going on. The Verse 17b, the half part. Then I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away, by terrors. You see, now because he was in the presence of God, he saw from an eternity perspective, for those who are not in Christ Jesus, they don't win. Life, a fresh start, the next step only happens in knowing God and having a relationship with Him. Yes, there's going to be hardships. Yes, there's going to be difficulties that that arise in our lives. That's when we find ourselves making choices to honor God. If we lose perspective, it's going to be a struggle. That's why sometimes I find myself, I know that for a shadow of a doubt that I know that I should be a, a called out preacher of the Word of God, but many times I struggle with that because I lose focus in my life. And I start struggling just like Peter did. Because of the circumstances and the situations that always are around us. The last and final point. May we have our relationship with God renewed. Verse 21 says, When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless 
and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Anybody have a dog? Anybody got a pet dog? Um, ours is, we, they're supposed to be a really smart dog. We're still trying to train it. We're still in the sitting stage. Um, sometimes it does it. Sometimes it does. Most of the time it doesn't. Um, dogs are kind of just the here and now. You know, like, where's the scrap food? Where's here and there? And they, they're, they're not ever thinking ahead, okay? A lot like our children. You know what I mean? It's just a here and now type of thing. Who cares about repercussions? Who cares about all that? This is kind of what he's saying here. Is like, I've been, I've been acting like an animal. I've been only concerned with, with the here and now. And he says, he uses the word that I have been senseless and ignorant. I, I, I didn't care about the situation. All I cared about was, was the here and now. I was a brute beast before you. He goes on in verse 23, yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterwards, you will take me into your glory, whom I have in heaven but you. And the earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is my strength of my heart and my portion forever. Verse 27, those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near to God, I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. You see, now he's kind of back to square one again. You see what happened there? Asaph went from, from praising God because of his goodness and his faithfulness, like, like surely God is good. And then all of a sudden, he starts going from that perspective and he starts losing focus on all the things around him. And it brings out envy, and it brings out anger to the point of him being on a slippery slope in his life, thinking that things away from God would be better for him. And he takes the step of coming into the presence of God, crying out to God, coming into the presence of God, allowing God to heal his heart, to see the big picture. God renewed his heart, renewed his mind, renewed his life to get him back on track again. What about you this morning? Maybe this morning you feel like your life has been dealt a raw deal. When's the last time you were honest with God? When, when, when is the last time that you've you've Poured out your heart to God. I had one of those moments this week. God, I, I am just, I am struggling with this. And sometimes we don't know where these emotions or, or thoughts come from and they, and they swell up in our hearts and our minds and all of a sudden we start believing and that is truth in our lives. Maybe this morning, Maybe you're a lot like Asaph and you're on the verge of walking away from the things of God. Maybe that's where you're at. Like I've tried it. And it seems like, it seems like things never change. My circumstances never change. Can I just be up front with you? God never promises to change our circumstances. He doesn't. But He does 
promised us to change our lives and to give us fulfillment in our lives, to give us joy and to give us hope in the midst of those circumstances. You see, the world says, you just need to change your circumstances, but the grass is always greener on the earth. No, it's not. I have faltered so many times in my life thinking that things are going to be better here or when I get to this point or if I can do this or if I can do that. Let me tell you something. God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And a fresh start, life takes place in having a relationship with God the Father. There is no other way. And so many of us, we, we struggle with that and we're, and we're looking for those things in our lives. Much like Asaph, a godly man. Proverbs 3.5 says, Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge God and He will make your path straight. Let's pray together. Father, we, we come before You. God, I pray, Lord, that You would use uh, Your Word uh, in despite of even me, Father. God, the reality of things right now, God, there are people sitting here right now, God, who are just, who are absolutely struggling, Father. God, I know that you knew this, Father. I pray, Lord, that they, maybe it's their first time, God, will cry out to you. The one, the only one who can sustain us, Father. God, I want to pray, Father, as we continue this journey of life, God, that we will be aware of our lives. We will be aware of our actions and our, and our speech, Father. And God, that those things will be about building your kingdom and about be, be about lifting you up, God, in our surroundings and our circumstances and our jobs and our homes, Father. God, I pray that you would use us this week. God, I pray, Lord, that you might open some doors for those of us in that room, God. God, I pray that you might close some doors for some of us in this room, Father. God, I pray that you would give us ears to hear, Father, that we could hear from you. And God, that you would give us the boldness and the strength to walk in obedience. So, Father, again, we thank you just for who you are. God, we, uh, we love you and we praise you. And all God's people said, Amen.